Geekville Radio. Hello, once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, doing another solo show here, going over the news. I know a lot of you, our fine listeners, are waiting on our reviews for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, as well as winding up Moon Knight and talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'll probably talk about Obi-Wan a little bit before the show is done, but Train and I will be reviewing those. It's just, it's been a hectic time here in June of 2022 for us to sit down and actually do a review together of all three of those. But we do have a triple whammy of reviews coming soon. In the meantime, I would like to talk some of the news here, sit down, chat with you about uh, a lot of DC news to come up. We got changes coming in the DC movie universe, it seems. And we are going to talk some Star Wars because Star Wars Celebration gave us peaks at the Bad Batch Season 2, as well as the news of Tales of the Jedi, a new animated Star Wars series headed to Disney+, and it'll feature the return of my favorite Jedi, at least me personally, Qui-Gon Jinn. But that's all to come. We're going to dive into the DC news right away. This week in Geek News. Warner Brothers released the first full-length trailer for Black Adam that is... The next movie on the docket for the DC movie universe. And when I say it last, I mean, not only has this movie been delayed since 2020 because of COVID, but it has actually been in the works for a long time. Dwayne Johnson was attached to a Shazam movie like 15 years ago, literally. I'll have links to the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 306 because this is episode 306 of Geekville Radio. Believe it or not, The Rock had actually been tied to a Shazam movie going back many years. Actually, as far back as 2007, he was in meetings to play Shazam. Not necessarily Black Adam, but Shazam. And there was a vote amongst fans who he should play. And believe it or not, Black Adam won that vote. So ever since then, The Rock was committed to playing Black Adam. That was in 2007. Here we are, 2022, 15 years later, and with The Rock, like, what, probably 40, 50 pounds of muscle now added on? You look, you look at The Rock back when he was wrestling, and there's been the long joke that, well, when he was wrestling, he was the pebble, and now he's The Rock, because he's like twice the size he was when he, when he wrestled. But anyway, the quick primer for those who may not be up to speed on who Black Adam is, uh, Train and I will have a more in-depth look at Black Adam to coincide with the release of the movie in the fall. But in a nutshell, Black Adam is a villain in the DC Universe. He is not a superhero. I know there's a lot of media out there trying to call him a superhero. He is not. He is a villain. He is an antagonist. Now, he is what I would call lawful evil. Yes, he's evil. Yes, he does bad things. But there are lines that he won't cross, and he will ally with heroes if it suits his purpose. But he is mainly the antagonist for Shazam, a.k.a. DC's Captain Marvel. And we did do a little bit of a deep dive into Captain Marvel a few years back in 2018 for when the MCU Captain Marvel came out because there were two Captain Marvels, one for Marvel and one for DC, and there was legal 
issues that go back decades. Trying to touch on that back in the episode we did about Captain Marvel. And again, I'll have a link to that in the show notes at geekofradio.com slash 306. But much like Shazam, Black Adam can gain his powers by uttering the word Shazam. And he gets super strength, he gets he can fly, super speed, intelligence, all that. And his powers are magic-based. And as I like to say, he is powerful enough that he can and has made Superman say, ow, because... Anybody who truly knows Superman knows Superman has not one weakness, but two weaknesses. Yes, there's kryptonite. Everybody knows about kryptonite. Superman has a vulnerability to magic as well. And Black Adam's powers are based in magic. So while it won't kill him in the way kryptonite would very, very quickly, it's a very quick way to make him say, ow. Now, as far as what we actually saw in the trailer, it looks like it's going to cover his return to Earth after 5,000 years, which goes back all the way back to the classic days of Black Adam in the 40s. But he was a slave who you know, usurped power, you might say. He got his powers much in the same way Billy Batson did to become Shazam. It came from a shaman. And he's basically had thousands of years of revenge on his mind on his way back to Earth. That's what it looks like we get. We get the landing of the ship. We do see Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. It looks like we're going to get some questionable behavior from Black Adam. We do see that, like, oh, you could be the savior or you could be his destruction. We don't know yet. I think that's going to be the big question of it. Is he going to be a hero or is he going to be a villain? We do see some of the JSA members. We do see Hawkman. We do see Adam Smasher, who actually looks kind of like the Adam, just a really big version of him. We get a glimpse of Dr. Fate in his suit. I don't think we get the full-blown suit. And we do see a pretty comical moment when somebody whacks Black Adam in the face with a baton and it just bends around him. It also looks like we see, I don't know if it's another planet or if it's some sort of version of ancient Egypt, maybe with magical flying cycles or anything like that, but we we get a glimpse of what looks like flying motorcycles that Black Adam takes out. We do see him walk away from explosions because, you know, that's what every superhero has to do, or even regular hero, just walk away as something blows up beside them. We get a glimpse of a Volkswagen van, microbus, that almost looks like the mystery machine as Black Adam catches a rocket fired out of bazooka. But it does look like we are in for that epic story that we've come to expect when it, when we introduce a new hero. You know, every hero seems to get their kind of own epic story. I don't necessarily mean epic on like a global scale, but epic in that we get the hero's journey, or in this case, probably the villain's journey. We're going to see what makes him tick, what he does. I think that the question of whether he will be a hero or a villain might still be left ambiguous. That's just my assumption, because they want this character to be popular. They want this character to be read. They want to make money with the character. And there's only a few villains they can do that with. Because even Thanos, I mean, Thanos has had several miniseries, I think, since... Avengers Endgame, Thanos is still a villain in the comics, straight up. He's he's not become an anti-hero in the way that a character like Venom has. But we will see Black Adam hit theaters October 21st, right before Halloween. We're probably going to see a lot of Black Adam Halloween costumes this year. But like I said, I think we're going to be left ambiguous. It's going to be like, are you going to be its, its savior or are you going to be its destruction? And he's just going to say neither, maybe, and then fly off. We'll probably get a tease at a sequel, maybe a Superman tease. Maybe a tease with uh, Shazam himself showing up. 
And I think we're going to get at least one more trailer that will probably show a little bit more of the plot before the film comes. It does look like it's fulfilling what it hinted it was going to do, which is basically going to be Black Adam against the JSA. I think when it's left to be, are you a hero or are you a villain, there's going to be that moment where it's like he probably could wipe out the heroes. He, he could kill them just for to be evil, but he'll probably spare their lives. And I think that's what ma- makes it questionable whether he's going to be a hero or a villain. It's going to be that gray area where, again, it'll bring the lawful part of the lawful evil out. It's going to be a time where he's going to have the opportunity to kill the heroes and he's not going to because it won't serve a purpose. And I think that's going to kind of leave that moral ambiguity open for future movies. One other piece of news that has come out about the DC movie universe is about The Flash. We've all heard about Ezra Miller's illegal battles. It seems to be every week he's getting arrested for something. But Warner Brothers has a lot of money invested in The Flash. I think I've heard as much as $200 million. So they're committed to finishing this movie since because of that. They've got $200 million allegedly invested in this movie. It'd be stupid just to scrap it and make nothing. I think it's very possible that the curiosity factor alone will be enough for this movie because we already know we got Michael Keaton. We've seen stills of him. He is back as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, as part of DC's own multiverse. It's going to connect back to the 89 and 92 Batman movies. But the good news about The Flash is that it has actually been, quote, extraordinarily well-received by test screening audiences. And I will leave you a link to that story in the show notes, geekfulradio.com slash 306. Variety reports that the studio intends to give the superhero film the full blockbuster treatment, though it does say that while they will give this movie the full treatment, we may be done with Ezra Miller by the end of the movie. In other words, we may not get him in any future movies. They may recast a Flash. I think it's another reason why they go to that multiverse concept, much like Marvel did, because now they can recast characters and have it make sense. They can recast Wolverine and just say, well, the X-Men universe was its own thing. This is our universe is Wolverine. They can do the same thing with Ezra Miller. Now, granted, he's Barry Allen. They could always bring Wally West. They could always bring an Impulse or whoever. I don't think they're going to bring an Impulse, but they could. But I think that would be the idea is they can recast a new Flash, whether it's Barry Allen or whether it's Wally West or whether there's something with the speed force that changes his look. Or I know there's even the fan support to bring Grant Gustin in that I certainly would not uh, dislike that idea. But while Warner Brothers has not been commenting publicly on what's been going on with Ezra Miller, there is the rumor that they may not bring him back after the movie's over. So that may be the way they'll put all they can into this movie, make as much money as they can, and then probably recast the character. I think that seems to be the most likely situation here. I don't know so. I don't have any inside info outside of what I've been reading on the internet like a lot of everybody else. But... That seems to be the most logical thing, is they'll recast the role. Maybe if Ezra Miller shapes up after that, they might bring him back. Another thing regarding DC, this would be the last bit of DC news we'll get here, and this goes back to what we've been hearing about the shakeups in Warner Brothers with the merger with uh, Discovery. We've been hearing a lot of stories, a lot of news about there being a complete reboot of the DC movie universe, even though the DC movie universe has only been around for a couple of years. With the Warner Brothers and Discovery merger, there has been a new head named, I don't know if I forget if it's CEO or, or whatever, but the head honcho for Warner Brothers Discovery is a man named David Zaslav. 
and he is talking and he is apparently looking into future DC movies. The DC Films president, Walter Hamada, has been talking to other execs, people named Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi, and these changes will apparently take place after the Flash movies. Why we talked about the Flash for a little bit, that this, this overhaul will take place after the Flash. Now, the story going around that is credited to the rap is that one of the plans that's being considered is that they'll go back to individual movies, unless Michael DeLuca has some plan. They need to get a freaking Superman movie off the ground. And the quote doesn't say freaking. I think you can guess what it says. And if the plan is a shared universe, a Cavill-led Superman needs to be the focal point and that they should scratch every Superman project in development and start fresh with Cavill. Because I think that is one of the things about the DC movies that everybody seems to like. You can see a lot of criticisms about the Superman movies and the way he's been depicted and that the Superman movies are way too dark. I've been one of those critics. I think they've been way too dark. I think Superman is one of those beacons of light, you might say, for lack of a better term. And really, he is arguably, if you had to pick one, he's probably the biggest character in the DC universe and really superheroes in general. Him and Batman are unquestionably the two biggest characters in DC. Anything happens in the DC universe, those two know about it. So I think there would generally be support for another Henry Cavill Superman movie. I've said for a while that he has at least one genuinely great Superman movie left in him, something that could be comparable to the Christopher Reeve movies of old. So I personally would like to see that. I, I'd like to see more Cavill. I could, you, you can reboot it without him around, because that happens in the comics all the time. Every time a comic title switches writers, it's effectively a reboot. And sometimes that reboot goes with retconning the past. Anybody who's read comics for any length of time knows that backstories get rewritten all the time when a new creative team takes over. But those three times he was Superman in Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and in Justice League, there was a lot of dreariness, a lot of dark and brooding, which just does not fit Superman, uh, in, in my opinion. I know there have been the rumors of a Superman reboot with the Valzad version of Superman. I think that's Earth 2. It's one of, one of the other Earths. I think that would just confuse audiences more than anything, I think. I think when you have more than one type of character, unless it's specifically done to put two, two of them on the screen at the same time, like with Spider-Man No Way Home. First off, I think Spider-Man No Way Home was done to wind up those other two Spider-Man series with, with Toby and with Andrew Garfield. I think that's the reason why they did, or at least one of them, was so they could have closure on those film series as well. You don't need to put closure on a character that hasn't been introduced yet in movies with the Valzad character. If anything, I would think it would be sending more of a sign that they'd be transitioning from Cavill, from Clark Kent to the Valzad Superman. And I don't think you need to do that. I, I would say let's look at the sales numbers. Look at the Supermans with that have Valzad in them and look at the ones that have Clark Kent in them. I think it's pretty safe bet that in the eyes of most fans, even I think the most hardcore comic fans, Clark Kent is Superman. So we'll see where they go. It's an interesting story to say the least about all these uh, reboots. It's, I, I think one of the things in the end, I think I can end on this note as far as the DC talk goes, what the DC universe 
needs as far as its movies and its TV is it needs somebody like a Kevin Feige. Because Kevin Feige for Marvel has been one of, if not the main, for lack of a better term, continuity cop. He tries to make sure that everything makes sense, everything goes in a timeline, and everything just fits, at least somewhat logically. I think that's what was needed in Star Wars. I think it's what's needed in DC as well. So we're going to move over to Star Wars here, but we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back and dive into the Star Wars news. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all time lords and ladies. This message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekvilleRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we are back, and we will be returning soon with Examine the Doctor with a look at the William Hartnell story, Galaxy 4. It's not often that we've done William Hartnell-era stories on Examine the Doctor, so I'm excited by that. We did recently finish up Horror at Fang Rock, the Tom Baker story that was based on a real-life incident that happened in the early 1900s, kind of a horror-themed story. So if you haven't checked out Examine the Doctor recently, I would encourage you to do so. It's episode commentaries we also make a little joke so there's a little bit of kind of mystery science theater or riff tracks type stuff there but we also talk a lot of background and a lot of facts about not just doctor who but the these specific stories that we're watching so if you're a doctor who fan i encourage you to check it out now from doctor who to star wars we did get our first look at the second season of the bad batch the Bad Batch made its debut a little over a year ago. I think it was spring of 2021 when it started. And it was our first glimpse at the fallout of Order 66 because the Clone Wars bridged the gap between episodes two and three of the Skywalker saga between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. The Clone Wars bridges that gap and the final season of The Clone Wars literally takes place during the events of Revenge of the Sith. There, There's actually moments where you see characters and dialogue that happen in Revenge of the Sith, and you see it from another perspective in The Clone Wars. And The Bad Batch picks up right after that, like, like Order 66 is still happening when The Clone Wars happens. And so we're finally seeing what those days immediately following Order 66 happened, uh, w- what they were like for the Empire, for the people that had won or lost the war, depending on who they were siding with. And the end of Season 1 saw the destruction of Kamino, the cloning facilities we saw in Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones. We saw that destroyed at the hands of the Empire. We had Crosshair, who was one of the Bad Batch, who then sided with the Empire because he still had the chip in his head. And it does seem like there will be a little bit of... uh, moral ambiguity, like what we were talking about earlier with 
Black Adam because the trailer opens with a voiceover by Sid, voiced by Rhea Perlin, saying, you can buy your freedom, you can have a future, isn't that what you're after? And then Hunter replies, we're already free. We see Omega, looks like she's running around in the Imperial Senate chambers. We hear Palpatine talking about it's time for a new era, probably again or giving out additional orders for the Galactic Empire. We see the Bad Batch, uh, looks like they might be on Kashyyyk, the Wookiee homeworld. Looks like we get the return of that Wookiee Padawan, I forget that, I think Gunji was his name. We saw him in, I think it was season five of the Clone Wars as a young Jedi Padawan. We do see Imperial Stormtroopers, an Imperial base, possibly even the Death Star. Don't know. We get the return of the Droidicas from the Trade Federation. And it looks like what might be the planet Felucia. Maybe that's the same planet we're seeing that that looks very tropical, like, like we see a watery, sandy beach. Felucia was, of course, the planet where we saw the death of the master Isla Sakura in Revenge of the Sith. So I don't know if they're returning to that planet. It could be another planet that just looks like it. We don't actually know yet, but it does look like we're going to see a lot of the machinations as far as the rise of the Galactic Empire and why the Empire becomes as oppressive as it is by the time A New Hope rolls around. I'm sure a lot of fans out there will be happy with more Wookiees. You know, we all love Chewbacca. It, uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if one of the Wookiees we see there might be a young, or at least a little younger, uh, Blacker Santon, who we saw in Book of Boba Fett, because that would still be, what, about a, a, a 20-year difference or so, a little, little over 20 years. Maybe we'll see him. Maybe we'll see what led him to becoming a bounty hunter in the first place. Looks like it's going to be very Omega-heavy with her sneaking around the Senate chambers and such. And it looks like we're going to get a lot of the Bad Batch trying to find potential allies, maybe trying to find who their friends truly are. And that's one of those tropes that always works when it's done well. The last bit of Star Wars news that I'd like to talk about here is about Tales of the Jedi. Now, old school Ardent fans like myself know that Tales of the Jedi was the title of a comic anthology series set during the times of the Old Republic. It was about 4,000 years before the events of the movies. This is not going to be an adaption of that directly. It's really just a similarity in name only. Because while Tales of the Jedi was set 4,000 years ago, it looks like the animated series counterpart, while still going to be an anthology, it looks like a lot of the stories are probably going to be self-contained. It looks like it's going to feature a lot of characters that we already are familiar with. And... Arguably the biggest piece of news is that we are going to get the return of Qui-Gon Jinn, and he will be voiced by Liam Neeson himself. Liam Neeson, of course, first played Qui-Gon Jinn in 1999's Phantom Menace. He did actually supply the voice for Qui-Gon in episodes of The Clone Wars. I think it was the Mortis trilogy that they called it, where it was on the planet Mortis, and Obi-Wan encountered an apparition that looked like a force ghost of Qui-Gon and got some tips from then but I, I, if i recall correctly with that story it was it was an aberration it wasn't actually a forest ghost it wasn't actually qui-gon it was something messing with obi-wan's mind but it's also being reported that other episodes of tales of the jedi will focus on count dooku presumably when he was still a jedi before becoming a sith lord mace windu and ahsoka tano we don't know for sure if it's going to be anthology yet or if it's going to be episodic but i'm assuming it's going to be anthology format because of all the all those characters and probably taking place over different points in time. 
And maybe we will get some that might happen thousands of years before the movies. I know Lucasfilm has been running with the High Republic stories for the last uh, year or two. So we'll probably see a few stories that take place during then. And, and I would assume, given that we only got it announced now, it's probably going to be a year before we see it. So if there's any news you want to talk about, if there's anything I've said that uh, you want to elaborate on or you want to tell me how stupidly wrong I am, this has been Geekful Radio. If this is the first time listening to us, first off, welcome. Normally, I have my usual co-host, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock, with me. And not only do we talk about news, we, we do a lot more reviews of stuff as well. Like I said at the top of the show, we we are going to review Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to review Moon Knight. We're going to review Obi-Wan Kenobi. Those reviews will be coming soon. We're going to do a, a triple whammy show for that. As far as summaries of Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I've been liking what I've been seeing. There's just been a new school way in that it's being directed. Because if you look close, I don't know how many people will notice this until I, I point it out here, but the camera is never steady. The camera is always moving or tilting or panning a little bit. That seems to be a very new school way of directing things. I am assuming it's supposed to simulate vision, like you're standing there rather than just there being a camera present. I don't know if that's what's the idea or if that's just the way I'm interpreting it. But if you look, you'll see that the camera is in constant movement during Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's something George never did in his movies. You, you look back at the classic movies even all six of the movies George Lucas did, they didn't really usually have that. There were a lot of first-person perspective shots. There was some panning, but the camera, for the most part, is still much like they are in documentaries, because that's really where George got his start in. Was he, he got into filmmaking originally to film documentaries, and then it just springboarded from there into all the other movies he made. So anyway, like I said, Geekville Radio, geekvilleradio.com is the website. If you like what you hear, I think you'll like it even more when trains around. But you can find us on all the major podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, pretty much you name it, just do a search for Geekville Radio, you'll find all of our shows. This is the flagship show, Geekville Radio. We also have Examine the Doctor, which is our Doctor Who commentary show that I do with Mark Short, who's been seen recently on episodes of Collector's Call on MeTV. And that show is on Doctor Who, we talked about a little bit before. We have the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame with Train and myself, where we talk about some of the early inspirations or things that were kind of pioneers in the field of geekery, you know, between superheroes, sci-fi, and all that. We have the Nostalgia Trip, which we do when we have time. And as the name implies, we just talk about pop culture of yesteryear, you might say. And we do have Examining the Dead. That is our horror-themed podcast. It's the only podcast we do that has the explicit tag on it, so... That is not meant for youthful ears. It's meant for mature ears only. You can find us, like I said, geekvilleradio.com. Email us, show at geekvilleradio.com, where I can be found at seth at geekvilleradio.com. You can give us a follow, give us a review on all the podcatchers. Let us know if we're doing well. Let us know if there's something we can do better. I always uh, like feedback. I always appreciate feedback, especially when it's genuine. So don't pull any punches with your opinions. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we do well. Let us know what you think we can do better. And I'll be shutting down the power here in the Geekville Radio studios. And we will talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, 
or any affiliates. Some media used on Geek Go Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.